they're bad, they're boys, and occasionally they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. But a bye 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 but a bye 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 bye. I'm all right, man. How are you? Good, good. Well, I've had a difficult week, to be honest. <laughs> ladies, and plane. Ge- ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jody Rainsford, and I'm with David Hellard. Um, this uh, this <laughs> this episode is a a week late, um, simply because of logistical errors uh, made logistical. by one individual and. From the stories I've heard, logistical errors seem to be a theme of what happened last weekend. <laughs> so, 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 God, explain. Say that. So, go. So, explain. Explain to uh, to the listener um, uh, where you've just come back from. Well, we, we were talking last week a little bit about crewing and how to crew, what to expect, and the fact that I hadn't really done it before. So, I've been out to UTMB, which is the probably the most prestigious potentially most prestigious that or western states uh, kind of hundred miler in the world um set in chamonix they've got quite a few different races though so a couple of my friends uh misha and tom they were running something called the ccc which is over seven thousand meters of descent with uh 102k of running so a crazy amount of hills um Misha had uh, had given me air miles to fly out. He was so keen for me to um, come and help him, and I was keen to join as well. But it, there's a little bit more pressure on me, thinking oh. he's, he shelled out his work miles for this. So um, I really wanted to make sure that I was doing my best. But having been quite busy with various other things, I hadn't really done my research as much as I maybe should have done. <laughs> so uh, kind of woke up the morning of the race. Wait, 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 wait. what do you mean you've done research? You, you asked the question on this podcast. What, what other research would you possibly need? Well, in a, so you're saying I can blame you for this? Oh no! Wait a minute. Thinking about that, yeah, you're right. That you, you, you're in the wrong, man. You're in the wrong. You should have. You should have. Uh, I'll I take could, it. I could only give generic advice about um, uh, about support crew and everything, but I think I did That's make the point. True. I did. I made the point that um, UTMB is, logistically is very hard, um, simply because of the well, of the nature of the race. Yeah, I mean, it goes through three countries, and that presents its own difficulties and, and because of it being so mountainous the roads don't necessarily connect in the way you'd hope to <laughs> um, but the, the I mean, it's, it's very well organized in some ways and that they've got buses to all of the different sections oh yeah and therefore all i had to do was i, I had a um everyone who is a crewer has to be an official crewer oh okay so um, partly so only one person can actually go in and see the person and they're only allowed to take a bag of up to 30 litres, which is a huge bag. I don't know why I have to specify that. But uh, especially as you could change what's in the bag at each aid station. Um, and you can then take the buses put on by UTMB around to each aid station. So I was thinking this is pretty sweet. Misha had set off very early. And the first aid station you could actually get to by bus right. wasn't until 
probably a third of the way into the race. Okay. So having set off at nine in the morning, I wasn't expecting him to be there until about two o'clock in the afternoon, which for me gave me plenty of time to fanny around with, of which I duly did. But um, I then head out to this first aid station. I knew it wasn't where one where I could actually even physically touch him. I wasn't allowed to or give him anything. I could just cheer him on. Right. But I thought it'd be nice to do that because he'd have been out there for five hours and while I'm sure he'd be having a good time, it's quite a long time to be by yourself. And all these little pick-me-ups help along the way. So I got out there, cheered him in, got my bells out, uh, had a little chat. Tom came down as well. They were looking great together. Running didn't, he, he didn't tell me Tom was doing it. I didn't know. I hadn't actually tweaked that Tom was doing it as well because I hadn't really been... Misha had mentioned it a while back, but you know when something's not actually in your schedule, you just... Yeah. You, you know it's coming up at some point in the summer or the autumn, but you don't really have in your mind how soon it is. Yeah. And so I hadn't occurred to me that Tom, Tom was doing this because uh, we haven't been running together for a while. So they they actually came into that, that station fairly together uh, and left together. So that was really nice. And I was then feeling, you know, pat myself on the back. Hey, what a great friend to be out there for this first one. Right now to the next one. Went back down to where the buses went. And the the roads going to my right had a um, was kind of fenced off, so that's quite weird. And I wonder how wonder how the bus gets to the next aid station. <laughs> and there's no one there um, who is an official. Everyone there is is just a supporter, right. waiting for these buses to come with a piece of paper. And so I was then kind of looking at this piece of paper trying to figure out the what all the information there meant. And it took me quite a while to actually eventually figure that the next aid station was linked with my current one, but only if I went back to Chamonix and then back round the other way, which is six buses. Oh my God. Road. Yeah. And, and these buses don't necessarily match up. So you, if you get in at 10 to one, the next bus might be two thirty. Right. So I looked at this and obviously my heart sank. Probably should have figured this out before. In my head, I just assumed that, if they're providing buses to the checkpoints, they'll be going all the time. Yeah, and the, the checkpoints would be one to the next. So I went to Google Maps and looked how long how long is it going to take me to to walk? So two days, <laughs> because the actual route itself that they take for UTMB, there's there's no proper walking path to do it. It's not a recommended route of Google. So I, I just realised I had to had to run the had run run the route. <laughs> Now, I wasn't exactly prepared for that. <laughs> what were you wearing? Um, I was in shorts, thankfully. I had this huge bag. But I was wearing my um, Adi Zeros, the ones that I love dearly, um, which are racing flats. So zero grip to begin with. But they're the ones I love dearly because I've run about 1,500 miles, well, literally 1,500 miles in them, maybe about 1,600 now. So not a single bit of tread. So it's going to have to run the not necessarily the biggest hill of their day but it was at least 800 meters straight up which is fairly pudgy <laughs> but unfortunately because um you know it took me maybe 40 50 minutes to realize this and so by the time i'd set off everyone was going single track single file with poles and so trying to overtake people was so hard <laughs> 
I'd spoken to some of the officials at the checkpoint and said, you know, is this going to get him disqualified? And they said, as long as I didn't pace him, I was allowed to be on the route because it was an open route. Right. Right. And they were zigzagging zagging up the hill. And I couldn't get past people. So instead, I just went straight up this hill. And, you know, when you go up mountains, there's kind of little rivers coming down. It's boggy everywhere. I was just getting soaked. And my God, it was hard. It was bloody hard to do just 800 meters in. Now, I've, I've done climbs before. The biggest climb in my life, easily. And even on the downs, trying to overtake people there, people are running a bit, but they're doing 52 miles or something. So they're trying to save their legs. <laughs> Whenever I'd see, you'd get you'd get groups of people together. So when I'd see them, be like, right, okay, I'm going to pull out and see a space. So I'd pull out, start running. But I wouldn't know what was the end of the queue of four people. And so I'd suddenly be like, fuck, tree. I'd just be wiping out everywhere, falling over. So eventually I caught up and I saw someone who looked like Misha in the, in the, in the distance. And I caught him about 300 metres to go until the aid station. And as I, as I came up side by side with him, Misha is um, he's one of those guys who he's, he's, he plans well. Yeah. And so I knew the first thing he'd be thinking is, this is going to get me disqualified. What the hell are you doing? So I kind of ran up and like, hey, buddy. <laughs> How are you doing? He's like, Dave? Dave, like, don't worry, I've checked. It's, it's, it's legal. There was no way for me to get hit from the last checkpoint. As long as they paced you, paced you um, it's okay. He's like, so what are you doing right next to me? Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Ran on. Oh, my God. But, but other than that, it was, I mean, it, it was, it was brilliant. The was atmosphere. it? Yeah, I met, I met these, um, these, these other two, uh, Yana, who lives in London, this guy called um, Ali, who was, who was from Chamonix. And we then started traveling around together. We get some beers in some of the um, chalets while we waited. And this, this, this event is insane. It's so big. I didn't realize it. When you came into some of the food stations, it's, the size of kind of half a football field and the food is amazing they've got full-on cafeteria you can just go and help yourself to all these biscuits hot soups pastas it's amazing wow. i mean that was great and um and seeing some of the people coming in if they didn't have people there supporting them it looks so hard because the weather was terrible the whole way through. Been absolutely pissing it down. They're going through the night twice, some of them. Yeah. Um, and so they're getting so cold. So you'd have people just falling asleep. And on the back of the on the numbers, you can switch it round to say, please don't wake me, I want to be sleeping. Because people were being woken up, people were going to sleep. Um, Tom was ill didn't eat for the last 50 kilometers yeah don't know how he got through it at all my god i mean fair play to him um and misha gave him gave him a podcast because he, he was going to go out and just listen to tunes and he was he was you could see he was like doing well but tired and yeah. going into the dark place so he might you need a podcast but he didn't realize actually he's wearing mp3 player 
he ended up listening to this one podcast four times. <laughs> Said he was in the dark and always like, oh god, I even know what he's going to say next. But oh, keep it gay, keep it gay. But it just looks so hard as races go. Oh really, really? Yeah. And I don't know if I'd even enjoy doing it because the hills are so hard to do, even when I was fresh. Yeah. And I was doing one hill. But I think I wouldn't be able to train well enough for it in London. And I'd go there and just be so frustrated with the route. Yeah. Um, but then we came back to the finish. And it's the, the app's pretty good. It tells you when you're expecting them to come in and where they are. So I'd gone back and got back into Chamonix at about six o'clock or 6.30 in the morning. And it said Misha was going to be at the top of this hill at 7.30 with eight and a half K to go. So I realised that, uh, you know, if I wake up at eight o'clock, he's not, it's going to take him at least an hour to do eight and a half K. Give me time to go to finish. They changed the final route because it was so treacherous at the top of this final mountain. Yeah. And uh, so I then woke up at 8 o'clock, checked, and Misha was in at 8.08. So I missed him. Oh, no! Yeah, I was, like, power walking down as hard as I could. Um, Had a missed call. I mean, it didn't matter too much, but having been there for every A station on the way, not slept for 24 hours, to get this one hour's sleep, I then completely missed his finish. Oh, Oh, no. Technical DNF for you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you fancy it? Does it appeal to you? That's the thing. I think about that, and then I think about what it was like when I did Transalpine and um, yeah. and the hills and the descent and stuff like that. And it's just, I some people love that, um, and and I didn't. Um, yeah. I think there are when you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of time and a lot of effort in uh, uh, training for something like that and making that a big part of your life for a long period of time. Um, and so you, I think you really need to make sure that you are really focused on on it being something that you're going to enjoy. I, 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 that's a big thing. We're just um, doing races you enjoy rather than ones that you know that are just going to be rubbish. Um, yeah. I think, you know, especially when they're so expensive as well. You're gonna, yeah, it's a big investment yeah. to do all that. Um, and I think something like, yeah, the MDS is, uh, that's why when I, was, when I ran that, I wanted to enjoy it. I, I didn't want it to be like a, a horrible painful slog because um, yeah. I wanted to save everything that goes with it and there's, there's certain races I want to do although like doing something like Badwater I don't know if anyone savours that um, or anything but um, but that um, but you, so but you, are you are you not tempted by it then or is it has it changed your view of it well I mean I, th- I think people get drawn to it because they can't they're not allowed to do it yeah until they have the points and so when people have the points they think well it's my only chance um, yeah but, I, but, I just, but the thing the points thing is a non-issue if you're, if you're an ultra runner you'll, you'll get those points so you know so quickly and so easily um, it's not, that's, yeah. not that's not really a big a big it's more it's more of the ballot thing isn't it that's the, that's the yeah issue. but I, I just think that for me I really enjoy the, the feeling of running hard yeah and while the downhills would be amazing I think I, I don't know if I'd be able to get my legs strong enough to truly strengthen them to be able to run hard at the, the distances and the ascent that they do in that. And and you, and the and using poles as well. I mean, like you are if you're on that course without them, um, yeah, you, you're mad. Yeah, a lot of the people there, um, a lot of people. I use, think they all do. I think even the front guys do. Yeah, yeah, but the, but that's for some people. That's like 
in their mind, they're like, I never run with poles. Poles is, is cheating. I never run with poles. But, you know, there, I if you went... It'd be quite you... exciting to learn. Oh, do you think so? Yeah, I mean, I, I almost feel like um, it'd be quite fun, just especially running downhills with poles. I think, it, I think you... it's, it's running downhill that they, they help. You, I mean, there's a certain amount of traction you get when going uphill, which makes yeah. a massive difference. But going downhill, having that extra element of stability is... I've never, I've, I've only, I've used them. I only use them in the sense that um, while while doing it, I've never learned how to use them properly. Um, I'm sure I could have been more efficient when I when I used them, but um, yeah. But the poles at speeds, I think, would be really fun. Yeah. Well, it's good job we're talking about this because our next guest is going to be. Uh, well, we've been, we've wanted to get it for a while, David uh, Harvey, who has just completed the Western States 100. So we thought we'd uh, we get him, which fits quite nicely it's like the a, quite utmb a, of america utmb of america we don't look at seg was just beautifully done perfect yeah so without further ado uh, let's speak to david so welcome to david harvey hey, hey. hey. how's it going man i'm all good i'm all good all good i've got a bit of a cold but i'm all right that's 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 no excuse uh you've got to be top of your game when you're on a bad boy running yeah. podcast um, but, so, it's because you know I'm not least Stuart Evans, so you know. Yeah. So um, the reason um, reason we got you on um, is because uh, <laughs> Lee, um, one of our uh, formidable do badders, uh, told me a little bit about your a uh, little bit about your background and right. a little bit about um, how you got into um, uh, running hundred milers and, and some of the crazy stuff you've done. And it just seemed to coincide with uh, you uh, running Western States 100. And um, we don't know anyone who's, who's run the Western States 100. So we thought it'd be no. great to get you on and okay. get, uh, get you, uh, you know, your experience of, of running that. I'm sure everyone we know collects all the points to it. And no, it's like the UTMB. Everyone collects all the points to it and no one actually does any of them. Um, so yeah. actually, find someone who's done the uh, the Western States 100 um, is uh, is pretty interesting. Plus, you've got a pretty interesting story uh, before that. So um, so yeah, I'll uh, I, I I'm discovering this all for the first time as well. So uh, this will be this is going to be really interesting um, uh, to listeners, and I have a personal interest in this as well because I'm determined to find out your technique for running 100 milers just to. Uh, just to see uh, how it differs from uh, from some of the other uh, uh, techniques that I've. Um, you can change them, JD. That's, that's probably the difference. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is that the way to do it? Yeah. About, my, about my story, actually, because that'd be quite interesting to find out what you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so, right, so before we actually talk about Western States um, 100, uh, the, I saw a picture of you. Um, I, well, I'm assuming it was um, before your running days, where you looked um, substantially—you looked a substantially larger person than you are now. Yeah, it was, it was the sort of um, bad reaction to a bee sting look. Really. <laughs> On there, um, yeah, I was about four or five stone heavier than I than I am now. Ooh. I think, and, uh, a lot of my twenties, uh, basically drinking, smoking. Partying and that just—that's just reminded me of a story that I—that the first time I was supposed to meet you was at the first UTDB event um, right. where we were doing the park run in Brockwell, and uh, Lee phoned you up or, or messaged you to say, "Are you coming along?" And I think you texted him back, 
no. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what? Was that at the beginning of last December? <laughs> yes. Right, okay. So I, I could go into the, the story of how I got into Western States at this point because it coincided that morning. I think. Was I going? So yeah. So what is the story then? So how, why did why did you end right. end up from there? This Monday morning, I'd woken up <laughs> to three hundred and fifty pounds being taken out of my bank account, and I was like, "Oh, I can't fucking afford this. What is this? Like, I, I this is beyond. This is just stupid." And I, I started to get a bit angry at this three hundred and fifty pounds being taken out of my account. Until I checked my emails where it said, Congratulations, I'm getting into the Western States 100. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, you know, this is, you know, it's a dream come true. Everything, I, it's pretty much the only reason I'd ever run was to get onto this race. And I was incredibly excited by the, the prospect of doing this race. And, you know, it's, it's everything that I always wanted. So. What I love about that is that your <clears throat> subconscious obviously, like, took over there and told you yeah. to do it. Yeah. Whereas I yeah. think if I was in that situation, my subconscious would just make me uh, cancel all the races I was doing and claim a refund early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just I, 50 I, quid. Yeah. Oh, God. It's, yeah, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Um I'd been persuaded to go into the ballot some weeks earlier, but my friend, who I'm relatively sure earns a hell of a lot more money than me, has a very nice house and stuff like that. And I am currently, you know, sitting in a bedroom at my mother's house at the age of 34. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There we go. Uh, But anyway, he persuaded me to go on to it. And I just thought, you know, because because 10,000 or so people go into the ballot every year, I just thought there's no chance of me getting onto it. But, you know, as soon as he mentioned it, I jumped at the chance, you know, just thought... Oh, yeah. And do you have to have points to, to no, qualify I, as well? I had, in, earlier in the year, I had done probably the second world's most miserable race, which is the North Downs Way 100 <laughs> running. Obviously, the most miserable race being uh, Portsmouth Coastal Marathon. Um, so yeah did this North Downs Way 100 and was expecting to go into it and doing like 20 hours and having the best time of my life. And, you know, I, by the time I got to Goth, uh, Box Hill, I was, you know, 24 miles in and feeling like an absolute legend. By the time I got to Rygate Hill, I was a shell of a man. <laughs> sweating, throwing up and like crawling up the hills and managed to just about kind of crawl over the line in, in 26 hours. Um, after experiencing Detling as well. I don't know if anyone's heard of Detling. But... Are those the, the infamous Detling steps? Which What, what, what mile yeah. does that come at? 81, 82 miles. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, what, I, I'm, pretty, I'm not exaggerating when I say it's about 17,000 steps down. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by 17,000 steps back up. Probably What's five, the ascent five, of it? Awful, and it's all stinger nettles and ramp. <laughs> Do you know you can you can be sad when you're running at times and struggle to motivate yourself to go yeah. on? That was a new low. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of parts of my mind that I never thought even existed. You know? Was it black? Black is. Was it your Was it your intention to run the North Downs Way 100 in order to try and qualify for uh, Western States to get the no. points for it? No. 
No, I've I've never I've never done races to get UTMB points or to qualify for another race. I've always run because I I love running. Yeah, it's, it's my passion and it keeps me mentally healthy and keeps me physically healthy. And you know, other than the love. Of, other for the love of it, if if I don't go for a run, then I then I don't feel good. You know, I feel sad and um, I don't feel physically right. So it's part of the part of my kind of um, ways of keeping myself up and running. You know, and is that is that so? How does that relate back to like when you you know, you, you we just you know, let's go back to the start here. Like when you were when you were overweight and everything. When what what was that? Um, oh, well, when, when did you start? Yeah, when I was overweight, I had um, decided that I probably need to do something. I looked in the mirror and there was this guy there that I didn't really recognise that had 14 chins and you know, boobs by his, by his knees and stuff like that. And I just thought, oh, come on, let's go do something. And I'd been uh, quite, I mean, I work in quite an active job. Are you a PE teacher or something? Is this what is this what <laughs> this is leading to? <laughs> we did do PE. No, I've, I've worked in mental health my whole life, so I guess we did do a bit of PE with them. But yeah. it's more, uh, you know, working on acute mental health wards and rehab wards and um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I didn't have enough money to go to the gym when with the gyms I had been in. I just thought it was so boring. And you'd get these, I'd st- like sit on an exercise bike or something, you know, hating myself for being on a bike going nowhere, um, looking at these guys that had just lifted, I don't know, some kilos, to, and then stare at themselves flexing their muscles in the in the mirror. And I just thought, what a bunch of bastards. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a I, weird environment. Yeah, it's, it's the most narcissistic kind of place I've ever been in my life. And, well, you have uh, to do you have to do that in order to make sure that you've shaped your body properly. I mean, that's that's just that's that's part and parcel with it. Is that what they, <laughs> they do? Yeah, that's it. That's what they're doing. Are you, have you not watched? Have you not watched um, uh, Pumping Iron? Schwarzenegger <laughs> documentary. That's it. You're, they're looking to see whether they've like sculpted their deltoid, so it's all looking in balance. Well, that's what they're supposed yeah. to be doing. Right. Okay. I'm going to start doing that then, just before, before and after. <laughs> Like, oh, you're looking weird. Um, oh, was there a trigger point that made you suddenly think, right, enough's enough? Ah, uh, you know, I do you know what? Um, and it pains me to say this because it gives Lee something to put in his brain and be happy about, and you know, sort of stroke his ego somewhat more. Is that he came round to one of my good friends who's in my band. Um, he came round to his house to have a meal and this guy walked in that I had not seen for probably a year or two and the last time I saw him was really bloody fat and then Lee walked in and he was really really skinny and I was like what has happened to you so I think the last time I saw him was at um, my friend's wedding yeah and he said that he could run five miles a day now and he did that every day and he kind of planted the seed of you know if he can do it then I can um so he was a little bit of an inspiration to me because because he did lose such a large amount of weight and, that, and he looked great for it as well so you know i just got on with him really well and you know he said why don't you come up for a run and stuff so rather than you know sort of experiment with other things i just went and bought a pair of running shoes that lasted me maybe up to two years yeah and they were about 20 quid from united footwear in fratton 
was a very classy establishment. <laughs> they sound it. Yeah. <laughs> they on the stand of the Gentleman's Club. I mean, remember that shop, that level. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm hoping they're going to give me an endorsement now from uh, mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> And, and what was, I mean, what were the first runs like? What we, what did you actually tr- do and try and, and how did it go? Uh, I used to run for about, I, I remember the first time I ran, I think I ran a mile and I'd probably text everyone in my phone book to say, you never guess what I've just done. I bloody run a mile. And I thought it was the furthest anyone could ever run. And then I, after that, I slowly sort of started to build it up and do maybe six miles every other day. And that was at a point where I wasn't getting any better, but I was doing yeah. this kind of like sort of built it up to that. And then um, <clears throat> I think after I qualified as a mental health nurse, I then uh, had to work ridiculous shifts and start at six, seven o'clock in the morning. So I used to get up at about 5 a.m. and I'd run at least three or four miles every morning. Oh, wow. And then do a little bit of kind of boring core work and stuff because I read on the internet that it's a good idea to do and so so I did that and then literally all of a sudden I went from losing a little bit of weight until to sort of just popping like a balloon and lost maybe two or three stone quite quickly and my fitness started to get a hell of a lot better and um, how, how long sorry so how old were you at this point maybe 27 28 something like that around that age yeah Uh, i'm now 34 and Um, and was there anything different you were doing in the the period where it dropped dramatically or just a routine of of regular exercise I i think it was just doing regular exercise i wasn't doing any really long runs but there's i found that there was something about running regularly that took the pain out of it and it suddenly went from something that was something that I wanted to do to lose weight so something that then became enjoyable I looked yeah. forward to it, and then I found it as a I now realized that for the last six seven years it's been my meditation and it keeps me mentally healthy it keeps me physically healthy it gives me a little bit of discipline at times um and you know it, it suddenly became from something that was that had a physical response to it to some, suddenly something that had a kind of more mental reward Right and 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 became a, a part of life as well. It became something I do to kind of day to day to manage my own life. And then, so so when did you start thinking? Okay, I'll do I'll do some races. How did you how did you scale up? Because it's it's never the way that people go. Oh, okay, I'm going to do five k, ten k, half marathon. Like, <laughs> how 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 what, right. what was what was your pattern into that? Okay, so I I, I was at a physio appointment because. Um, after, shortly after I started running, I also really badly hurt my back. And I had to go to physio. And while I was at physio, I heard these two physios talking about this race called Hellrunner. And I was like... Oh, classic God. race. What's Hellrunner? Yeah, it? <laughs> it was really fun. Um, my inner metal kid just went, oh, yeah, it's got hell in it. I've totally got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that's, I think that's how it works, love. isn't it, with some of those ones? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. So I phoned up Lee and said, oh, I've heard of this race called Hellrunner. Let's go do it. So me being me and not being able to say no to anything was like, oh, yeah, I'll be up for that. So uh, we signed up a few, and then the week before it, because bearing in mind this is a 10-mile run, like 
I'd never run that far. Lee and I met up the week before and in our infinite wisdom ran a 13-mile trail run through hills around Surrey to train for this 10-mile run. And I've got to be honest, I was absolutely ruined. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on, on this run that we were doing, Lee was, because he's quite knowledgeable, was saying about this is the Greensand Way. Uh, you know, this this runs from like Ashford to Hazelmere. I'd love to do it one day. So I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. How long is it? 100, 108 miles? I was like, ah, yeah, let's do that then. And so we did this 10-mile run. And then when I was at work a couple of months later, I text him saying, oh, have you thought about doing this then? And he went, yeah, let's organise it. So we went for, immediately from doing a 10-mile run to organising a four marathons over four days type thing um, with all our kit on our back and sort of training up to do that the next summer. And uh, it, it was damn good fun. It hurt, especially because I had quite a bad back as well. Um, carrying all the kit but over, over the next few months we did a fair few um, runs with with Lee and then we ran around to the Surrey Hills and they had a girl called Claire who was sort of a budding runner at the time and then my friend Dan who decided to just come on last minute not do any training <laughs> <laughs> carry two bags on his back as well um, and, uh, and we did this Thing for charity and raised four or five thousand pounds running about 108 miles over four days obviously it was probably a hell of a lot long longer than that because lee likes to take what he calls a shortcut uh, which normally adds about five miles on <laughs> so, so that's incredible yeah. so you, you basically you've jumped from like doing a 10 mile race to then organizing like four marathons in four days uh, just running yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah and the the that was that was like my first official kind of well no it wasn't even an event but um my my first official kind of longer than 10 mile race was something called the saxon shores ultra trail norman conquest 50 miler short um, one isn't it <laughs> yeah. so, I, all of these races like centurion they say you have to have a marathon first to be able to get onto their yeah. races you know, most 50 milers do say, you know, at least a marathon. And I was like, oh, God, I can't be bothered to do a marathon. This is bloody rubbish, you know. And rather than asking them and saying, look, I've done this over four days, I just decided to lie. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do a marathon. I'd rather do 50 miles because <laughs> it looks a hell of a lot more fun. And it was full navigation as well. So I just I signed up and, I, and it said race, like, you know, qualifying race. And I was like... I think I put 2014 or 2013 Portsmouth Coastal Marathon time three hours 20 minutes <laughs> I've, I've never run a marathon that fast and I've never even run a marathon before signing up to this race and you know what I turned up there with you know these guys that I'd seen on you know on the internet like Ed Katmer who was doing oh, yeah. 100 you know all of these guys that look like absolute pros and there was me with a couple of trezos in my in my camelback and then when i filled up my water in the camelback it started leaking everywhere and i'd turn up with a pair of shoes but i didn't have any socks on <laughs> and i just looked like an absolute idiot you know it must have been 
I'm three kilograms of stuff, but I just didn't need. I just didn't know what to do. But started within two minutes had got lost. No doing. So I just thought the best thing I can do is find someone that looks that knows what they're doing and try and keep up with them. And so I did that and managed to sort of pretty much finish it in about twelve and a half hours, something like that. With incredibly bad blisters from not wearing any socks and having terrible shoes. <laughs> There's a thing though, is, there's a thing though, isn't there? It's like always you're like your first ultra is like a massive learning experience. But that's really interesting yeah. that you you like skipped doing a marathon and went went. I suppose if you've done a marathon in training, um, like by doing the four marathons four days, it, it's not too much of a too much of an issue. No. But uh, but it was it is always like a massive, like your first ultra is always a massive massive uh, learning curve. I think you're supposed to oh, have absolutely. all that blisters and and it for all to go oh. wrong. Absolutely. Everyone that I do now, I learn something from. Um, I'm obviously a slow learner because I normally completely forget it or disregard it. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of learning. So I, you know, I struggle with blisters then. I struggle with blisters now when I do ultras. But it was it was good to just do it and know that I was capable of taking on something like that and able to do it. That and, was the main thing. And then when you did that, so what was your what? It's really interesting to see what people's reactions are after different things. So when you did that 50 mile, did you then think, I want to go further, or do you think, I want to go faster? No, I just thought, I want to go further. I, don't, I, I still don't really care about speed. It's not something that interests me whatsoever. Yeah. So every time, now I'm starting to kind of look at other things to do um, that are further than 100. But back from when I did that 50, I just thought, 100 really, really looks like something that is the ultimate running experience. I'd really love to do that. So I kind of sat there thinking, oh, shall I sign up to the Thames Path 100? And then built it up in my head to get something to be, and I was really excited about it. I thought, I've got to do this. Yeah. And, um, and went for it and signed up and had this 50 miler in the bank so that I could get on it not really knowing what to do, hadn't, hadn't really spoken to many people about how to do a hundred mile. I think I'd met one person, this guy that I, I still run with regularly. He's, he did the South Downs Way 100 and I was completely in awe of him. He'd done it in 23 odd hours. Oh, wow. And he was so quick, you know, so much faster than I was. I was still overweight and, you know, did, couldn't really run properly except about back, but, um, you know, he inspired me, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and give it a go. And started to then really focus on getting these these hundreds sorted. So um, over the next few months after signing up, I think I was in Gibraltar at the time, because they they open up about, I don't know, 10 months before. Oh, the actual... yeah, yeah. They fill up really quickly now. <coughs> oh, yeah. The Centurion, the, the, you know, it's quicker than Glastonbury, isn't it? The way <laughs> yeah, I know. I know it's incredible, isn't it? So, so the Thames Path One Hundred was your was your first hundred miler. Yeah, and that was hell. <laughs> it was it was it was nice for probably three hours, four hours. Um, when I got to Hendy, I thought this is really hard, and it started to get dark, and I'd never done any training in the dark and had a really bad head torch. <laughs> and what was quite funny is that I'd given my friend Danny, who had come on the Four Americans in Four Days thing, uh, a can of Monster yeah. and a load of food to meet me at Henley so that, I could, that he, we could just run in the last the second 50 together. Yeah. 
Now, I've got to about 20, 25 miles, and Danny was being a bit sheepish over the phone. Oh, no. And I was like, thinking, I'm really looking forward to the kind of monster, and Danny's going to give me a big mental boost. And then he's, he said, I've been up all night drinking. I'm, I've got a couple of cans of Stella train, but I'm on the way. I think I'm going to be okay. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And do you know what? I just thought to myself, I knew he'd do this. And I kind of reflected it more for it. So I, thought, oh, I really hope he had a bloody good time. <laughs> and then I think he'd got to Winchester train station. He'd messaged me going, oh, my God, I'm so ill. I can't do this. <laughs> and I'm really sorry. So I carried that for about a mile. And then just thought, you know what? <laughs> I kind of like the story that, that this is created in my race and kind of tried, decided to just let go of that and, and enjoy myself. What I like about that is that you know, I, when, you, when you're doing those sort of distances, that sort of rage can build up in you. Um, yeah. It's almost, yeah. Did you, I mean, that must have seemed like a good story after the fact. It must, that must have, I mean, like, not having your support crew <laughs> turn up when they're supposed to turn up. Yeah. It's just, that's like the worst thing ever. Yeah, I know. It was, uh, as I said, you know, for a little while, maybe for a couple of miles, I really, I was like, what a fucking bastard. <laughs> But, <laughs> and I hated him but then you know what I love him he's a good guy um, and it just you know I, I just I'd rather have him done that because I expected him to do that yeah <laughs> you know, I, I expected him to turn up at Henley wearing a cowboy hat pissed out of his head smoking a spliff or something like that you know that's kind of thing that I was expecting but so so, no, you, can, you can get obsessed by things when you're running that, that way because you've got nothing to concentrate on other than pain. So, so good stuff. I, I understand then that on, your, on, your, on this 100 miler that um, because, he, because he dropped out that you were in need of some sort of inspiration um, later on in the race. Was I? Yeah, apparently. Is that, is that right? <laughs> I'm trying to. What, what was this inspiration then? I, I, well, didn't you? I didn't. Was you were you were slightly worried that you weren't going to finish, and so um, you uh, you called your mum. Is that right? Oh right. Yeah. No. No. That was. Yeah. I did. I did. <laughs> I had to be sick at, um, at Reading. <laughs> and I think I everyone that... gets sick at Reading, <laughs> yeah. regardless of whether they're running a hundred miler. Yeah. But I'd, I'd been really, really sick and. Uh, and I thought that was really funny, so I messaged a lot of people these pictures of my stick. Like, ah, isn't this funny? And actually, I phoned my mum because I knew that I was going to finish. And I, I phoned her at about seven o'clock in the morning, just kind of really down in the dumps. Yeah. But I secretly knew that I was going to finish. And I asked her if I could eat a twirl. <laughs> I had a twirl in my bag. And I'd be like, oh, hello, mum, is everything okay? And she's like, oh, you don't sound very well. Um, and I said, <laughs> is it all right if I eat a twirl? <laughs> and she's like, I think that's probably going to be all right, David. Now you take care of yourself. And then she started saying stuff like, you know, you don't have to finish this race. Just to <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh, bless. It's the, da- it's the, da- the thing is, it's, that is the danger of having your parents as support crew or to do anything as that. They're absolutely, det- if, they, if there's any sense that somehow you're in pain or something, they, they literally will try and scupper your race. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought she could. Bloody well, shut up if you are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so that was that was yeah, that was your first hundred miles. So so how quickly did they did they sort of come after that? How so I did that one, and then I signed up, I think, to do the autumn hundred. But then I, I had a gig to do, so I ended up not doing that, and then did the Thames Path hundred the next year. Yeah. And I improved on that, managed to get sub-24, because I think I did about 25 hours the first year and then 22 the second year. Yep. And then went on to do the Autumn 100 that year as well and did that in 1945, something like that. So you're knocking, you're knocking an hour off each time. Yeah. And then the following year, I think it was 2016, I did the Thames Path 100 again in 18 and a half hours. And oh, wow. came back. So I was pretty chuffed with that. Um, and had done the South Downs 50 and a few other bits and bobs like trail walker in between, loads of marathons. Um, just kept myself going, really, because I find it much better to have these races to focus on. Yeah. And keep me going. Otherwise, if I've not got anything to focus on, then I'll just go to the pub. Um, that would be that. Okay, yeah. So what, yeah, what was it you think you did that you did um, in between those times that may have made a difference in terms of like really uh, bringing your time down? Okay, so... Yeah, for, very much for me, it was more of a lifestyle thing. Um, and I'd made a conscious, conscious effort to smoke a lot less because that was always the thorn in my side. <laughs> always been something that was dragging me down. I, I love that. I love it's not, I decided to quit smoking. It's just I decided to quit to smoke a lot less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I... I Pretty much, and then it would just be a very, a very social thing when it goes to the pub. Yeah, drinks, and then I'd give up, giving up. And you know, I was drinking a lot less, uh, not less regularly as well. And then because I was doing that, I was able to, I started to get better, and I started to feel myself getting quicker. And then the progress that I made made me more, um, made me more confident in my ability, and it encouraged me to. To run more and to try and get a little bit faster. So I'd moved to the New Forest, so I'd, rather than having flat ground in Portsmouth, yeah. I had hills to do regularly as well, so I started to do one or two sessions a week, just doing some hill repeats, really trying to sprint up the hills, and then the um, doing a regular kind of 10 miles on a Thursday, and a long run on the Saturday, sometimes a bit of a long run on a Sunday. And I never really ran more than about 25, 30 miles in one go at all, uh, other than doing the South Downs Way 50. And before I got my PB doing the Thames Path, I also did under eight hours at the South Downs 50. And I really think that that, although I wouldn't encourage doing a 50 miler before, four weeks before 100, I think that gave me a lot more confidence as well. And, you know, I could sort of feel this endurance building inside me when because I wasn't getting so tired at the end of the runs. Um, and what I found now is that if, if, you, if you stop doing the regular marathons when you're training for a 50 or 100, then I think that actually it's, it's a lot better for you because some people just do massive amounts of mileage. Yeah. But I've, you know, I, find, I found this year that if you take out the regular marathons and stick to a steady schedule, then it, it does help. I think people run too many miles thinking that it's gonna that it's gonna be better for a hundred when actually sometimes a few less miles is probably better. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What do you think yeah. of that, David? To be honest, I don't know. I've never really trained for a hundred, but then I, I think it depends as well what you're trying to achieve. 
and what your body's used to as well. Yeah. I think, you know, once if your body's used to doing a lot of miles already um, and you're really trying to get times down then, um, I th- yeah, I, I think you've just got to pile the, the miles on, sadly. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. If, you're, if your body's not used to huge amounts of miles, then you are going to damage yourself by doing too many miles. Hmm. I think my, my friend went to see James Elson going to his summer. He said that his running actually got a lot better when he went, when he managed to do over 100 miles a week. Um, whereas I found that I stopped trying to push the mileage and do more training. Yeah. Then I, I've got better that way. But I would always do like a sandwich run at the weekends with you know, 10 or 20 and a 30 or something. But, yeah. And the thing is as well, the, the, the depending on your speed, someone like James can, he can do unbelievably quick times at long distances so if he goes out for a 30 mile run it's going to take him three and and a half hours you know even when he's jogging so (laughs) actually the impact on his body the time he has to recover is very different yeah yeah absolutely and so uh, and and so uh, has your nutrition like changed and um because when you when you were losing all that weight did your did were you actually like changing what you were eating or anything or was it just purely the all the miles were was reducing it and has that impacted your your nutrition now um i think when i finished my first hundred i was i decided to go veggie for a while yeah but in general i hadn't changed my nutrition at all right um now i'm a lot more conscious about nutrition and the part it plays um i try to try to eat as healthy as possible not eat too much meat and stuff and I, i do kind of veer towards a veggie diet much more than anything else um but it's, you know what, I, I, I get bored of people talking about food and diets all the time. That I just think, I'll just eat what you want and, you know, sort of be happy. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I, don't want, I don't want to alienate all the vegans in my life, but they do go on about it. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, I think the trouble is, as soon as someone's vegan, you almost, it's like if you find out someone, their job is a doctor, you then have to ask them a question about being a doctor. I think the same thing. If you find out somebody's vegan, you then have to go, all oh, right, why? Or I'd say, yeah. I, I cringe when I speak to vegans and ask the same questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I, f- I found it quite funny, you know, because I, 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 I used to have vegan tendencies, you know, like you know, I, I got into the thought process of thinking, ah, oh, should I do this? But then I found bacon again and it cured me. Um, but vegans, they what, what is it about them having their diet choice on their running vest, whereas everyone else has got the town? That <laughs> you do, you do both know that I am vegan. Yeah. Do you wear it on your running vest? I don't. I know. I, it's really funny, actually. I do. You're quite right. The vegan, that vegan runner thing. I don't know. I don't know what the point because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of ultra runners who are vegans, but. Yeah. Um, apart from like someone like Scott Jurek, who he, you know releases basically a, a cookbook with his boring rantings inside it, um, you know, not not a lot of people. I I don't think people talk about it that much, to be honest. Um, yeah, I must I must know the wrong people. I don't. Yeah. I I just don't know what the what what there what there is to talk about. I just think there's a, there, there does seem to be a high proportion of vegans um, who do ultras. I don't know about other races, but there just there does seem to be. Which which is surprising because there's so much shit normally in all the all the stuff at um, uh, like checkpoints and uh, yeah. and food places that I yeah. to to go through those and have to check all the labels must be a yeah. bloody nightmare. 
You just go, no, has yeah. that got gelatin in it? Has that got gelatin in it? Has that got, you know... So what percentage of food do you think is vegan on the typical aid station? Um, oh, that's a good question. It's really weird. Yeah. I, I, I do... What do I eat when I go? Do you know what? When I, when I did my first 100 miler, it was cherry tomato. I, n- I didn't like cherry tomatoes. And all of a sudden, I developed um, a love of cherry tomatoes during like the mid- halfway point of the South Downs Way 100. Um, and I, I need them on the race now. I don't, yeah. I don't know why. It's like your body just sort of craves different things. I don't think... I think there's a lot of um, like vegans. I don't really know. I can't think. I, I don't know. Sometimes you get those horrible, um, like dog-eared cheese sandwiches that, that they try and push on you or something. Oh, God, the ones that have been sat there that are really crusty <laughs> <Yeah>. on the <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I mean, I've done, I've done a lot of volunteering and stuff. But you, you know, you try and not let that happen, but it does. <laughs> you know, sandwiches that have been left out in the sun for five hours. Yeah. there's nothing there's nothing mm. worse than being like sort of back of the pack of a hundred miler and and uh you know this, this what's it called the uh, people at the uh, various like checkpoints and stuff like i've sort of got a bit bored of it all and you can see <laughs> yeah. their their malaise is reflected on on yeah. what the food looks like it does yeah. seem, it's weird isn't it i think i think like on a hundred miles it veers between bar snacks and um, like yeah. really, really nutritious uh, vegetables. It's it's a really weird combination that you'd never put together. I always, I've always thought it looked like a chav's picnic. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> you just need the cans of special brew around it, don't you? <laughs> Maybe that's what they're missing. Maybe that's what they're missing. So, um, so then, right? So, so come on to the Western States One Hundred. Then, so you, ha- why did you have it in your mind that, that that's what, one that you wanted to run? Oh, you know what? Ever since reading Eat and Run by the world's greatest vegan um, <laughs> and Run, I just wanted to do it, you know, and I scoured YouTube for, you know, for hours watching all these videos of the Western States 100, Scott Durek smashing it, and, you know, people like Anselm Kupitschka running it. Yeah. Then I saw, a, is it Invincible? Is it, is it Invincible? I can't remember what it's called. Um... There's a film uh, with Jeff Rose, Anton Kupitska, and Killian running. Oh, yeah. Unbreakable, that's what it's called. Yeah, running the Western States, and it's three people that they reckon could all win and break the course record in the meantime. Yeah. And that just inspired me more. And, you know, it's just, it was a dream of mine. I, you know, I, I never thought it would come true. And even when I signed up, I said to, you know, I said to this guy Stuart, who um, who signed, who went into the ballot with me. I said, you know, I can't afford it. There's no point in me even signing up. But at least this, at least this time, I know that I, when I go in next year, I have my name in the hat twice. Because every time, every year you apply, as long as you've got a qualifying race done that year, they double the your name in the hat. So first oh, year you nice. only get one, year you get two, third year you get four times, and then on and on. And they reckon by the eighth year, that's probably the most amount of time you'll have to wait to get into the race. Now, I'd, no, I'd gone in for the first time and didn't expect to get in and was not expecting this email and this £350 come out of my account. So was incredibly pissed off, but I was incredibly happy as well. You know. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> and, this is amazing. And how, how far out was that that you got notification that you were in? 
that was at the beginning of December. And I, I thought this is going to be the thing that's going to keep me on the straight and narrow, you know, this is something that I'm going to focus on and, and do properly and get right. And on the whole, was pre was pretty good in my training leading up to it um, because it was a dream come true. But you know what? When it was done, I just thought, thank fuck that is done. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've never thought or obsessed about anything so much in my life. It was seven or eight months of absolute obsession. You know, last thing I thought about when I, before I went to sleep at night. Yeah. First thing I thought about in the morning every run that I went on, if I, if I wasn't thinking of anything, the next thing I think about would be, oh, it's all right. Because when you do the Western States 100, it'll be like this and it'll be all happy. Yay. And <laughs> no, everything, you know, every meal was thinking about Western States. It was, it was just, it was fun, but pissed me off a bit. I do, um, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. That's uh, that's great. And so, and uh, so, where does um, so explain what the Western States is for, for for people that don't know? Where does it start? Where does it finish? What's the sort of terrain like? Okay, so Western States is uh, it's a hundred point two miles from Score Valley, which is the old site of the Olympics from many years ago, to Auburn, and in a place called a place called Placer High School. Yeah. This guy called Gordy Ainsley, he is a bit of a legend in my eyes, and he's you know, a legend in, legend in the 100-mile running world because he is the guy that created it all. Um, he, he used to do the Western States course on, a, on his horse, but his horse went lame. And rather than missing out on the race, he thought, you know what, I reckon I could run it. <laughs> <laughs> he left his horse there and just decided to run this course over to Auburn. And then towards the end of the course, he thought, oh, I reckon I could do this in under 24 hours. So he pushed himself really, really hard and, and got, to, got to Auburn in just under 24 hours. And ever since that, that day that he did that, they decided to create Western States Endurance Run. And it's slowly grown from that small race to being, you know, sort of one of the most iconic, oldest races in the world. Yeah. Small distance, you know, and... I think I think anyone that finds out about it and runs ultras probably has it on their bucket list close to the top. You know, things to do. It's normally I normally hear people say UTMB in the Western States. And, is it, know, is it the first hundred mile then? Yeah, yeah, it's the world. Yeah, world's first one, I think. Yeah. And so, and so, and, and then oh, this is going to be a difficult one to answer. So, did it did it meet your expectations? Oh, uh, do you know what? Like, you know. Are you familiar with the white gantry that starts it? No, 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 no. You're gonna to have to explain all of this. I, I don't. I, I've not seen any of the any of the stuff you're talking about, and I've only I've only seen like a few videos of um, of like uh, 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 Timothy Olsen running it and stuff. So I'm not yeah. I'm not super familiar. Right. Okay. So there's this white gantry that says the Western States Endurance Run, and it's got a countdown clock in front of it, and in everything that you ever see, the start and finish of the race is is this white gantry yeah. and you know i thought I, when i first saw that i just suddenly thought oh my fucking god this is real <laughs> this is like actually happening. <laughs> something that i'd seen on on you know youtube videos and seen pictures of watching scott jurek stand underneath it and i you know i got a bit of a shiver down my spine because you know i just never i never thought i'd be there yeah 
Um, and they do in in the build up to the Western States, they invite you over a couple of days before so that you can um, you can they, they do some talks and they do some films and they give you the opportunity to to walk up the escarpment, which is the first three or four miles of the course. And I thought <laughs> there's no way that I'm climbing two and a half thousand feet two days before doing a hundred mile race. So I sort of stayed down the bottom and had a massage. <laughs> much more sensible idea. Um, and so, so yeah, and and yeah. then and so, how does it work in terms of um, like support crew and things like that, and paces and, and things like that? Our support crew, uh, how what, how does all that work? So I, I've I've never ever bothered with support crew, and you know, I just I thought I've always thought if I had a support crew, then it gives me an extra opportunity to drop out. And I'm yet to DNF. I'm sure it's going to happen, but. You know, I, I just, I've never had one, so I didn't think it'd be worth having. Yeah. And having a look at the course, it looks like it was a bit of a nightmare to get into some of the, to some of the points. Yeah. Like, because uh, mm. uh, some of the the aid stations are quite remote, and they were doing shuttle bus services and stuff over to them. So I, my mum and her partner were with me, and they were offering me a bit of support. But I just said, look, come and meet me at the sixty-two mile mark, which is Forest Hill which is also where I picked up a pacer. Um, they've got a section on their website that they invite you to leave your details on so that people that live in the States or close to the course who want to offer their pacing services can find your email, find out what kind of time you want to do, and then they'll send you an email saying, look, I can, I can meet you here. Do you want me to be your pacer? Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, I've met this, this guy had emailed me and I said yeah man great that, that'd be awesome he, he said that he was going to be on this course for like camping for a few days because he loves the experience yeah now something like a thousand or fifteen hundred volunteers doing this race for 369 people so you know it's quite a big operation for for such a small amount of people running it mm. <clears throat> but the people they seem to be obsessed with it over there they're really like I don't know if it's the Americans themselves, but they, you know, they're all into it. They're all so encouraging, and they're all so friendly. Um, but this guy, yeah, this, pacer, this guy that was my original pacer, he ended up saying, oh, I can't do it because I've hurt my foot. And then a few weeks before, this guy called Bob Crowley sent me an email and saying, Bob hey, Crowley. Bob Crowley. <laughs> he's a legend. Um, and he, he's run the Western States five times. He lives in Forest Hill, so the Western States course is his, is his running route you know it's, it's amazing and he's done the hard rock 100 twice and probably just about now he's finishing the tahoe 200 miler and he's 60 so you know it's just he proves that you can you can have a long career in ultra running if you yeah want. um but he in in the build-up to the race he sent me lots of emails saying this is what you need to do you know this is how you need to prepare um phone me when you get here because we stayed in Lake Tahoe for, South Lake Tahoe for a few days beforehand and he spoke to me and said this is what a local would do to run it you know stay in when you see a creek crossing lay in the creek for five minutes to cool down because the, the, the time that you save doing that will you know you'll be able to pass everyone else that doesn't that doesn't do it so you, you'll, you'll make up places by by laying in the creeks. So a bit of insider knowledge then nice yeah, yeah. And do, I mean, do the front guys do that as well? <laughs> I doubt it. They're, they're gazelles, aren't they? No, I, I, I wouldn't have thought they would do that, but 
Joe, at every aid station on the Western States courses, that they, they've got a cooling station as part of it. So mm. you can go and pick up as much food as you want. You know, and they have packs of shop blocks and gels and food. They've got people doing like, here, sir, do you want a grilled cheese? And like, give you a grilled cheese sandwich and barbecues on the coast. Stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. That, you'd expect that in America, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And totally. What temperatures is it hitting then during the day at the peak? Okay. So, yeah, they, they wonder. So they have a big kind of ceremony beforehand where they introduce you to the front runners like Wormsley and Ryan Sands um, so that you can see them from the front because they'll, you'll never see them again. <laughs> and they, they said that in, in that ceremony that once you get to places like Devil's Farm and Michigan Bluff and El, El Dorado Creek, the, the two in the afternoon, it's going to be up to kind of, I think I said around 44 degrees. Oh my Whoa. God. <laughs> and you know, you know what? I'm, I'm as ginger as it gets. My, mm. my skin is pale blue and transparent. <laughs> <laughs> and I only need to look at the sun and then I turn into a blister. Yeah. Um, but we answered the age old question of if you put a ginger in the desert, does he burn? And apparently not. I so spent... Have you doing heat training, acclimatization, and things like that yourself? Or? Yeah, I spent. I spent two or three weeks beforehand um, building up in the sauna to mm. around 45, to minute, to 45 minutes to an hour a day just sitting in a sauna. And do you know, saunas are nice for the first 10 minutes. And mm. then they do this thing to your brain that means you can't fucking stop thinking about how bloody hot it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, oh, this is really nice. And then... all. All the mindfulness in the world wouldn't be able to save you from the thought of burning in a sauna. And, you know, I'd spend 45 minutes or an hour and I'd get out and be close to passing out. Um, but, you know, on the day when I was running and it started to heat up, I just didn't really notice the heat at all. Oh, really? So Amazing. Works, yeah. And so what was that? So just like explain, because there's all sorts of things you hear about Western states, like bloody bears and stuff and terrain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what was it? What, you know, what's the, give us like a picture of your, of, of your race from, from like start to finish. Um, if you were just going to sort of like encapsulate it as to, um, you know, what happened between yeah. certain miles. Okay. So um, when you, before you start, you go and, you know, America is all about the kind of like, uh, the ceremony, yeah. isn't it? Uh, you know, we, we spent an hour in a room of people thanking their wives. It's <laughs> <laughs> <you know? laughs> quite funny. And then you walk around with a bag, and they, you know, and they take your photo and with your number. And I met legends like Nikki Kimball. Do you know her? She's like a, I think she's mm. won PMB and she's won Western States a few times. And I've seen films about her, and I was a bit, you know, starstruck by her. But, you know, you walk around with your bag and they give you lots of free stuff and then they say, you know, come back in the morning, we'll give you breakfast for a 5am start. And the first first few miles of the course are straight up a, a mountain and you go over the escarpment. But it's, it's part of a ski course and they, they'd had a, a large amount of snow that was that was melting very slowly. So for the first, I think it must have been at least the first 10 miles, it was it was pretty snowy. Um, and she had some real steep climbs going up to the top of the escarpment that were almost ankle deep in snow at times. 
Um, so you do a climb from around 6,000 yeah. to about 8,500 feet. And, and that's pretty good, but you start to feel a bit of altitude when you yeah. get to the top. You know, you breathe yeah. a little bit sort of shallow, but not unmanageable. Um, you know, there's a few really, really steep bits as you go up there, so it does get a bit stressful. But when you get to the top, I mean, if you just look around, you can't, you can't possibly be sad or you know, low when when you've got that the, the views of these snow-capped mountains around you, you know, and the view of kind of Lake Tahoe and stuff, and it was just beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I got got to the top of this this escarpment, and then you you go down into what's called the wilderness, and you kind of you go up a few up and downs nothing too steep but it was very hard to follow the trail because it was just covered in snow so you had you know i was following all these people and you know trying best to find a line through through these through all the trees like big pine trees and stuff and um but we were all just slipping everywhere so you couldn't really be confident where you put your feet and i must have fallen over about 10 or 20 times over. really Maybe, yeah, maybe only a few miles, but everyone was mm. just because it was so it was so icy and sun of snow. And then we we got to. And are you prepared where, for that mentally at all? Well, I just kind of, I, you know what? I, I wasn't really concerned about the snow. I was more concerned about the heat. But mm. I, I just kind of accepted that, you know, that that's what it was. You know, that's a huge. Huge, huge dichotomy there, isn't it? I wasn't concerned about the snow. I was more concerned about the heat. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not the great. It's, it's, that's a difficult mental preparation for that. I know, I know. It puts you in a sort of uh, cognitive dissonance kind of thing, doesn't it? It's yeah. like, oh, it's, when it's heat. Oh my god, this is so conflicting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, when you get through the snow, I think it was around ten or fifteen miles in. It, it started to kind of really heat up and then all the snow had melted but but before you got to that it, there was melt water and like little waterfalls and stuff and and little snow bridges so it was it, your foot placement was quite precarious yeah it was just muddy and you know, wet and freezing cold water and then like little boulder fields and stuff so it was incredibly hard to to run through you know how, how people like Wormsley and managed to run so fast on that course is is beyond me because you know i i thought i had to give myself a pat on the back for standing up straight at one point <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah then after after the first 15 miles or so you get to a couple of aid stations that i think was red star ridge and then they have one a little bit further sort of down down the hill um like there's lots and lots of switchbacks down sides of mountains. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we did a few switchbacks and we got to the second aid station. By then it was really, really, really hot. Um, and that was about 20 miles in. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that was worth remembering about Western States is not the hilliest course in the world. It's about 18,000 feet up, but it's got a net loss of 23,000 feet. So oh, Really? Yeah. So although you, you go up, to, you go up to about eight and a half thousand feet and then it's just mm. steadily downhill with a with a good lot of climbs in between um so when you got when, once you've gone through uh the wilderness you, it then starts to get incredibly hilly <coughs> um and you have what i think is five or six canyon crossings 
and that's the main bulk of the fight. The canyon crossings go from, I think, something about something like 20 or 30 miles to about 60 or 70. So you've got uh, the main one is Devil's Thumb, which yeah. is big midday when it's incredibly hot. And and the climbs will take you maybe, you know, they're not that long, sort of 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or probably to do the biggest climb, which is just constant switchbacks. Now, at the bottom of the Devil's Farm, uh, which is around, I think, 40 or 50 mile mark, there was a, a lovely creek. So had, you know, laid back in this creek, having the best time. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't want to leave because yeah. I finally pulled down and wasn't, you know, bursting into flames like I was for most of the race. And just had a lovely lie down and started to go up the hill. And it wasn't until about five minutes up, I went, where the fuck is my water? Why haven't I got my sunglasses? And I realised I left loads of stuff down by this creek, so I had to run down. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was gutted. You know, you know when you just think, oh, I don't need this right now. Um, but, you know, sort of brush it off <laughs> and get on with it. And at some point around that time, I'd gone past, I don't know if you've seen the Barkley Marathon, the race that it's it's young the documentary mm, yeah. yeah i ran past the guy that had won the barclay marathons and i was like, i'm sure that was him but found like a little bit of water to lay in and <laughs> sure enough it was him i was like oh my god it's you and was a little bit starstruck by that so you know we sat down as you do when you meet someone in a race and had a little bath together <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was very enjoyable um so yeah, like by the time I got up to up to Devil's Bump, it was it was so hot, and there were because I'd managed to cool my cool my core temperature down in the creeks. I was overtaking a lot of people, and when you got up there, there there really were you know good half a dozen people that looked like their race was over. Oh really? It you know, looking like they were going to pass out. You know, lots of attention given to them, lots of ice being passed around, um, and then this guy that was obviously you know, sent from heaven, came up to me and was like, you're right there, boy, do you want an ice cream? And I was like, yes. <laughs> of course, I, I ate this ice cream and it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then got, did what, did at every aid station, fill up my cap with ice, I had a bandana around my neck, but every aid station, I filled out, filled, filled out with ice, twist it round and then tie it around my neck. I was wearing a just a white T-shirt with some white um, arm warmer type things. I always thought were the most stupid invention, but I'm now completely sold because you can just fill them up with ice. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And then, and so, and so, how did it feel when you got to that point? What point did you know? Oh, this is it. I've done it. Um, mm, I got. You know, I think when I got to Forest Hill because. I'd done the, the bulk of the climbs. There was, I think there was three or four real big climbs. And one of them, you go up to Michigan Bluff, um, which is the first point I had my blisters lanced because I, I was wearing some poker, oh. <laughs> challenging OCRs. And I was, I was so uncomfortable. So I did a change of socks and managed, saw these massive blisters. Well, this guy was just like, look, let me sort that out for you. So he's laying on this bed, you know, being treated like a like a king by this podiatrist sorting my blisters out. And um, when they were done, I, I still had loads of running in my legs, and so I got to 
got to Forest Hill really quickly and there was basically a street party going on there. Um, and that was the point that I'd, I'd seen my, I saw my mum and her partner as well and I met up with Bob. So, you know, changed my top. And then when we started running that, I was, you know, we were doing about eight, eight and a half minute miles, I think. Just, you know, running down the hills and being quite conservative going on the uphills. Yeah. Running all of the flats. And he was just said, look, I'll tell you exactly what's coming up when, you know, when when we get to it. And um, I'll, I'll remind you to eat. You just don't do anything other than follow me and just forget about it. You know, oh, that's great. I'll, I'll be your, I'll be your, I'll, you know, I'll do everything for you. You are such a legend. Perfect. Yeah. And so we had a bit of a chat, you know, when I was getting a bit miserable, he noticed that and he'd give me some like shot blocks and stuff and all would be fine. And what I found thinking about it, you know, and what, when I was doing this race, it's the first race that I've ever done is that if I started to feel low, you know, if I was bonking a bit, if I started to feel sick, I just thought, you know what, it doesn't matter. I'm on the Western States 100. This is a dream come true. Oh, wow. And as I thought that, it didn't matter anymore. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, motivation to get me through. And then, so how did, how did it feel to then finish it? So, how, yeah, so how long did he take? And then how did it feel to, to actually cross that line in the end? Oh, uh, you know what? Like, there, there, was a, there were a few moments that, like, crossing the river in a boat and going up um there was a certain aid station i remember from the films and um going across no hands bridge and there were lots of moments that were kind of like experiencing stuff that i'd only ever seen in films yeah and i you know it just started to get better and better and better and then you could almost taste the finish now there's there's quite a large climb up up to a point called roby point which is about one mile away from from the finish at place of high school and mm. bob was like Hey there, Dave. You know, you know, you've run a race like a local. You know what they say, the locals. So they run the last hill, and I thought you are that no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when we got up to this aid station at Roby Point, they said to Bob, "Bob, because you're a local, you have to run the last hill." And he was like, "Huh? See ya. Yeah, I told you." <laughs> and it must have been a pathetic sight, but I really did try to run this last bit of time. <laughs> up to Auburn but you know so a baby could have crawled past me quicker but I really did try and um, you, you go down about a mile or so on some tarmac before you get to do a right hand into the high school track and you know how many people have I seen in films and stuff get onto this track and you know do the loop round and when you get onto the course you, you hear a person going you know this is David Harvey He's come over from the UK. Um, this was his first time applying for the Western States. You know, well done, congratulations. Oh, amazing. They, they play about your history and stuff. It was like, you are now a Western States finisher. And I was just thought, oh my God, this is better than anything in the world. And um, you know what? At that moment, it was just the best place to be for me. You know, it, was, it was a dream come true. And, you know, my sister messaged me saying, I can't believe you've done it. You know, and I thought, what did she not think I could? Because there was always a bit of me that thought, this is probably not something you're able to do. So to finish it, I just thought, oh, amazing. You know, I, I, can't, I can't put it into words what that felt like. It was just fantastic. And, and as soon as you finish, they give you, you know, everything's branded with Western States. You know, they give you a, 
Western States bottle, and then this guy called Tim Tweet where comes and meets you, who's won it God knows how many times. And then they escort you to um, they escort you to get a massage, and then they, there's a podiatrist to check out your feet, and there's doctors around and stuff. And I think I insulted the massage therapist a little bit when I was laying there because they they were starting to pray around me <laughs> when I was laying there, and I thought. Oh my god! What do you think? I'm Satan or something? And then clearly they did not find that funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, then it's done. Bob gave me a beer, and you know, happy days. Went went and had a, a good good week in Vegas to party after that. So. Oh, nice! And so, how, so how quickly did you do it in? Uh, Twenty five hours six minutes. And is that what you expected? <laughs> no, I was hoping for under twenty four. So, but you know, it, I finished it. It's it doesn't matter yeah no absolutely oh that's amazing that's amazing so yeah fantastic so so that i mean so that was basically you were you were in a place where uh you know you wanted to done that you've done that for ages it it lived up to all of your expectations so why a few weeks after did you do the legend (laughs) 100 and do like the total (laughs) contrast to it ah yes well do you know how I said that on the Western States course, there's no way that you could possibly be sad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the Lakeland 100 course, there's no way you can possibly be happy. It's a physical <laughs> impossibility. <laughs> Surely Lakeland 100 is easy compared with Western States. Oh, fuck it. Western States is park run in comparison to Lakeland 100. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know West, what? Is, this, is that just the altitude or...? So the uh, the elevation, or yeah, well, it's, I think I don't think it was that extreme. It's about twenty three thousand feet elevate, um, up, and then about twenty three thousand feet downhill. But it's the terrain that is completely unrunnable. Mm. So you'll you'll get to a point where you might be getting a ten minute mile up, and then the Lake District will reassert its dominance and throw you a boulder field in the way. Um, and you know what? To be honest, I. I was towing the line with this guy, Tremaine, who had also done the Western States 100 that year. And I got to know him over, you know, through doing that. And he was quite up for it. But I just stood there thinking, I feel like, I feel a bit ill. I don't really want to do this. I've done the Western States. This, you know, I'm, I'm not up for this. and couldn't really be bothered. But they start the race by singing Ness and Dorma. What? Like this big... But what relevance is that to like the Lake District? <laughs> well, I think it's like going into battle, but it was quite motivating. What? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. No, but it's you know what? It's an amazing race. It really is. Um, the, it, the climbs on it are brutal. The descents are brutal because you think you can make some time up on the descents, mm. and you can't because that is unrunnable you know how, how people do it in 20 hours is beyond me it's it's you know it's 105 miles so it's got an extra fuel on it um most of it is either bog um bouldery you know unrunnable terrain and there, there are parts of that race going up a thing called fusedale which i you know fusedale now considered to be one of the most offensive swear words in, in <laughs> And it took maybe two hours to get to the top of Fusedale with the rain and the wind trying to push you back down. Mm. And once you got to the top and you think it's flat, it's not because you're not at the top (laughs) because there's another fucking peak there. And you're like, what? 
that's ridiculous. And then you go left and, you know, you, 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 think you spent two hours in mud and you're cold and wet and then you look and you're still not at the top of Teesdale because it's got another peak. <laughs> so it sort of takes your soul and crushes it and then shits on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, is there quite, is there quite like an international, the Western States, is there quite sort of an international field? Are there quite a lot of like people come all over the place or is it still predominantly yeah. American? No, it's people from all over the world. I think they have, I, I might be wrong about this, but I think they had something like 40 different nationalities there. And so, and compared that with the Lakeland 100, how many Americans were, were, were running that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I, honest, I, I can back to you on that one. I think I honestly, I honestly think, like, like ultra running in America is just, uh, trail running in America is just so much easier. It, yeah. You know, especially like out where, um, where, uh, like where Western States and everything because of the, because of the temperature, the heat's bad and everything, but the heat yeah, the won't do, very runnable yeah, the heat won't do to your States. feet what Lakeland, like at the lakes on a wet and windy normal day will do to your feet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the, it, to do the Lakelands, you, you have to stay wet in order to stay cool. Um, uh, yeah, see, Western States, you've got to stay wet. To do Lakeland, you've got no choice than to be wet and cold. You know, and, you know, there's no point trying to keep your feet dry because the the one puddle that you try and miss, you, you might miss, but then five minutes later, you're walking through a bloody peat bog or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the trail looks like it's a stream. And you think, this can't be right, but it is right. You know, it's just the strip the trail has turned into a little river or a stream, you know, and it's, and so there's not a lot you can do. And I'd only recce about 26 miles of the course. And that had taken me seven, seven and a half hours to do 26 miles in, in the recce. Yeah. A bit mm. quicker in the race, but I'd got out of Buttermere and I thought to myself, you know what? There's no way I'm ever doing this again. So I have to. <laughs> You know, it had been raining for six, seven hours. It, you know, my legs hurt. I felt a bit sick. And do you know what? I was I was going along Buttermere, not very happy, and just wanted to stop and not do it anymore. Yeah. And then uh, got around the corner, and there was the steepest fucking hill I've ever seen in my life. And I just wanted to cry. I just thought, this is, <laughs> this is a joke. And something saved me at that point. And I don't know whether it was God or science or whatever, but my battery started to run out and my head talk. And you know what? I was so happy because I got to sit down for five minutes and just change the battery, have a little bit of food, and then think, you need to bloody well man up. And um, so, yeah, I, I got back up and... Do you know what? I actually, although it was miserable and I didn't want to do it, it was really hard. I did kind of enjoy it in a little bit of a dark way. Um, what is wrong? Yeah. With, what is wrong with people? It's just—it's so true, <laughs> isn't it? It's like you think something's absolute rubbish, and then part of you yeah. starts like something's been rubbish, and then literally minutes after, you start getting nostalgic for the rubbish thing that just happened. Yeah. You're like, what? What? What goes on in the human brain that that makes you? Or maybe, maybe that's what draws people to to certain types of races. That never happened. That never happens in Parkrun. 
No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Do you know, it's a little bit like childbirth, isn't it? it it's exactly be. like childbirth, as I repeatedly tell my wife. It's, child, yeah, it's it, harder than childbirth. In fact, the, the midwife said that it's uh, having, running a, what's she say? Having a baby's just as hard as running a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, she's yeah, only had, well, had two babies, so... Um, so David, so David, what? Uh, this is Hellard. Uh, of the two, which which do you fancy? Well, I don't think. I, my worry is if I if I ever go to these big American events, that you just say something that would insult someone. Or... I don't think. I don't <laughs> think that's an American so. event that you have to worry about. I just think that's just when you go to an event. But I think they're almost, um, you know, put up there the sanctity of, of religion. You know, they're. They're held in such high esteem compared to. I mean, what races are in the UK that Edwin really gives a shit about? Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I'd always choose for heat over cold and wet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's why you should never run in the UK. I think that should be just a general rule. Don't <laughs> run in the UK. It's awful, <laughs> it's horrible. So where does it leave you now then? What are you thinking next? Is, are you um, looking for something bigger or are you feeling content? Or? Double Western well, States? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping to do the uh, double Portsmouth Marathon if I can get me on it. Have you ever done Portsmouth Coastal, David? I've done it the last three years. Yeah, I've never had a good time on it. It's awful. Oh, have you? Okay, <laughs> okay. Have you ever done it? Have you ever done it, Hellard? No, but I've I've heard it mentioned a lot. <laughs> is it around Christmas? Yeah. It is. It's like the, I think it's like the last marathon in the south or something. Yeah. Just before, yeah, just before, uh, just before Christmas. Oh, it's probably put there as a their clever ploy for anyone who's trying to get good for age for London. Sorry, he's trying to get championship for London. Oh, really? Yeah, because you've got to submit before the end of the year, so it's your last chance. It's difficult because it's not—it's not actually—it's not, actually, not on road. It's like part you like your part trail, part crappy foot. I mean, it it really is shit, um, uh, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it, it, I, 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 it's it's not that. Big. I know the guy that that runs it, and I think it's shit because it's. Well, you can't—he he can't help. He can't help. Ryan. But yeah. it's just got shit scenery because you get to see Portsmouth for most of it. <laughs> yeah, he can't help where he lives and where he sets it <laughs> up. He can't help that Hailing Island looks like that. No, exactly. Or, or the incinerators in Portsmouth. <laughs> 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 oh, it really is awful. It really, I mean, it is a rubbish thing, but there's something, um, there's something, uh, there's something about running in a, in a rubbish environment. That, it, it always, it always like pisses it down as well. Um, yeah, which which yeah, which makes it awful. But oh, um, but yeah, so so what what other so it, it must be difficult after Western States to to know what your next challenge is going to be. Yeah, mm. so I guess when I got back from Western States, I immediately signed up to Transvolcania. Oh yeah, because, because I wanted was that to, Lanzarote, uh, La Palma, La Palma. Okay, now I've got a friend that did that this year, and he was pretty much broken by it. Mm. Um, so. I thought I'd give that a go because he's going to go and do it again. But the, it's, it looks pretty brutal, actually. Um, I think he said that Robbie Britton had told him to ignore UTMB because the real hard one is Transvolcania. Yeah. So that kind of made me feel a bit sick. Um, 
but I think like essentially it's 30 miles uphill followed by 15 miles downhill and then 5k uphill again so it's it's quite a quite a brutal one um like real horrid terrain um but at the moment next year because I've done a bit of volunteering I'm doing the, I'm down for the South Downs 50 100 and the North Downs 100 um but to be honest I'm not feeling that motivated by them at the moment so I'm gonna see if I'm getting into something like UTMB just because I had a look at the footage recently and it looked pretty amazing so I think um, yeah, UTMB. I think UTMB is like the like European Western states almost, isn't it? In terms of like the atmosphere that surrounds it and its longevity and and everything that goes with it. Yeah, it's absolutely. interesting how few people they do Western states compared to UTMB. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise it was only it was, how much did you say three hundred and twenty people or something running yeah. Western states? Yeah. That's yeah. no one, is it? How many people are running UTMB? I, I'm not sure, but in my head, I've got kind of two thousand. Yeah, it's something like that, isn't it? And UTMB is just one of the four or five, six events that they've got going on that week. So yeah. actually, there's constantly that. There's so many more people in town for that race. Yeah, there's. I, I've never been motivated by it. I've never gone for like for to get the points for it, but I, mm. I seem to have the points by accident. So. I kind of feel I should use them. But I, do you get yeah. do you get UTMB qualifying points for doing Western States? No, 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 not so. Oh, isn't the irony of that? Yeah, <laughs> but they but they they won't. Um, yeah, they they won't sign up for it though, will they? Like none of the American races want to give UTMB points because they think they have to pay to for the right to have mm. UTMB points assigned to their race. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure what happened one day with some of them because they'll realise that it's actually um, the Americans want to do it. So either they're going to lose Americans to run in Europe and get the points there, or else they mm. they'll they'll give them the opportunity to race their races at home. Mm. Yeah, Seriously, I mean the best ones in the world now are at UTMB. Western State, I'm sure they've got some very good runners, but. Apparently this year was the top 10 pretty much in the world ultra runners all around UTMB head-to-head. Mm. Yeah, except the... Killian and that, didn't they, this year? Yeah, yeah I mean, Killian so, didn't even win. So you missed, you missed your chance. You had to, you had like, yeah. what, what David is saying, they, the Western States had the weakest field ever. So you missed your yeah. chance to, to win it. <laughs> yeah, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, though? I beat Walmsley. <laughs> <laughs> He drops out by six, 70 miles. <laughs> and, and if you're going to give advice to people who have signed up to the Western States, what would the main advice be? Um, yeah, just, you know, if, if you're going to do it, then make sure that you sit in the sauna for a few weeks beforehand and mm. be sensible and use the creek crossings to stay cool. Because if you're not used to that heat, then, mm. you know, you're not going to be able to, to do it. You need to try and stay cool somehow. But, That's some quality yeah. advice. Yeah. yeah, but of course, don't do it because then when I go in for it next year, then that'll give me one less chance of being. <laughs> yeah, don't give anything away. Every yeah. time, every time you you help, you assist someone, it it pushes you down a place. That's that's yeah. <laughs> um, I quite fancy doing bad water though. To be honest, that's like yeah. my bucket mm. bucket list one to do, but it's so expensive. But that's how much is bad water then? Uh, it's about a thousand dollars, I think, just to sign up. 
but then you don't get anything with that. You get the right to run along a road with having paid for a van and four people to follow you, basically. So, wow. Yeah, so it's, it's quite expensive. I think it costs about three or four thousand dollars to do. So, wow. I mean, I guess I insurance. Yeah, insurance. That's what I'm about to say insurance. I think they hiked the insurance up because they were they banned it, didn't they, uh, last year? Um, only for it to come back again. So I wonder if they've like hiked it up as a result. Yeah, they must have done. They've probably got a new insurance firm that's finally agreed to pay out if they give them enough money. Yeah. Yeah, we really care about health and safety. Um, that's why we're. Oh, oh yeah, you'll pay us more. Brilliant. Yeah, of course you can run yeah. Death Valley. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Well, David, cheers, man. It was great to, great to speak to you about this and get your, uh, get your insight to the Western States. Um, I don't know. Also, what a journey from when you, yeah. you know, think back when you were 26. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. But now, well, now, actually, now you've done it, you can go in the other direction and you can pile the weight back on. And <laughs> uh, yeah, you'll hit it. Like perfectly, just about, we hit about 40. That's absolutely yeah. perfect timing. My, my friend Mark is very proud of his um, 100 mile to couch training plan that he's done. <laughs> And if you've got any advice for people out there who are in the position now that you are when you're 26 and you know, struggling to, to do exercise and motivate themselves, I mean, what would you say is the, the easiest way to, to, to reinvigorate themselves and to, to break that, um, those bad habits? Yeah, I think like, not to put too much pressure on yourself, really, because you know, uh, every time I've put too much pressure on myself, I've buckled a bit and done things that I shouldn't have done. But, you know, don't, if, if, you, if you miss out on things, then don't worry about it. Just kind of pick yourself up, brush yourself off and, and get back on with it. But try and, try and be disciplined in a way to get yourself a small routine of maybe doing it first thing in the morning um, relatively regularly. If you miss it, no bother. You know, just carry on. Um, what? I forgot what I was going to say. I think I've got dementia. Please go for a run or something. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you don't beat yourself up about it. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't really. Um, what was if yeah, you're in, what was if you're in a, a friendship group where they beat you up about it though? That's that's the issue, isn't it? Really. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> if people beat. Uh, all right, then, man. No, it's been, it's been, that's been really, really insightful. Um, so thanks very much for, uh, for like, taking the time and everything. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, I literally have just been looking up Western states while you've been talking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but brilliant, man. Thanks for that. No worries, man. Brilliant. Thanks, David. Have me. Take it easy. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Well, that was good. Yeah, you're going gonna to sign up? I did. I know. I, when I said, "Oh, I've been looking," uh, I literally have been looking. I. Do you know what? It's one of those things that you know. It's like it's in the back of your mind, but it's never. I've never really thought about the Western States. I've only thought of it in terms of um, a a race that's been featured in a lot of books, and and, and to Americans, yeah. I think it means a lot more. It's you know, it's it's like their London Marathon or or something like that. It has a lot more. Uh, kudos to it and I always think you know I put other things above it like bad water um yeah. and, and other races but um but the more about it, it starts to creep into your into your consciousness and um and I do I do like the idea of running in that heat I think that would be I think that would be good um well, I know Dean talks about it quite a bit in his book yeah 
and I think that's one of the quite a large section is him talking about taking on the race and he falls off and, and there's quite a few incidents that happen yeah but I, I, I always struggle with with the rare the I, I kind of hinted it a little bit before but when an American thing has a reputation around it yeah I always struggle to think that, you know to actually realise you know how big is this or how impressive is this because just they they love things too much oh yeah 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 whereas like because they don't have like so i'm being i'm not being disrespectful to americans but literally there are some pubs in like where near i live that are older than your country and so when they have something that they're proud of is literally the 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 fanfare that goes with it is is incredible yeah but i mean it's it's to my detriment because things like boston marathon um I now know I need to go and do the people who who I respect, who are great people. Like this is incredible, but I've always in my head just thought, yeah, it's probably just like London, but because they're Americans, they think it's incredible. <laughs> now, oh, so that's but, not so. That's not so much of a debt. That's just you thinking Americans overhype shit. Yeah, partly, but also even when when you go to a place like Western Point, I think it's Western Point. We were in an area where they were they were showing us this building and how and um, they're like yeah this this building's blah 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 and after we're there this guy in he's like yeah my house is older than that <laughs> <laughs> you the last place you want to have you ever been to china uh well yeah briefly in beijing yeah because that's like the china's like that every everything is celebrated and they and the difference is that they lie about everything so like they go oh this like no matter where you are We'd always yeah. hear the same thing. Like, this tree is the oldest tree in China, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure it is. It doesn't look like the no. This is the oldest tree in China, or it'll, or they'll say, or they'll have like some terrible fact, like this temple is a hundred years old, which makes it the oldest temple in China. You're like, <laughs> it's made you're, out of concrete. Yeah, exactly. I know it's like it's aluminium. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, but yeah, no. I, th- I think it's. It's probably one of those races where if I watch that documentary now, I'll then want to do it. Yeah. But then again, I haven't done a hundred mile yet, so I have to tick that box first. Well, go from go from like a ten official ten mile race to a hundred mile race is a, is a pretty big uh, to a fifty mile race to a hundred mile race is a pretty big jump. Yeah. Um, you, who would you? Oh, right, I like this. So, so say that you don't have any support crew, um, and you're and you're crying at mile uh, sixty five. Who do you call? Who 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 would you call at that point? Probably Pizza Hut. <laughs> I love I love the idea of of someone on minimum wage talking talking you through <laughs> the last third of a hundred miler. Yeah, or I don't know a drug dealer. <laughs> no, you I go... call that Russian guy from the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, I need you. Just bring everything you've got, all or, the needles. Or your, or your, or your caffeine bullet distributor. I tell you what, caffeine bullet's been going down well, hasn't it? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's potent. That's the thing. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's been made for a purpose. Yeah. But um, well, I mean, it's really interesting to, to get a view on that, and also the comparison of the Lakeland One Hundred. Oh, nothing in me. Makes do you know what? I signed up for the Lakeland 100 once, or was it the Lakeland 50? One of them, and yeah, and it got closer to it. And it said, Oh, I think I was on the um, the wait list or something, 
Yeah. And it said, um, do you want to sign up now? And then I just thought about it and I thought, no. No, I don't want to. It's strange. I mean, because Mandy Lakes is just so incredible. But maybe the ascent's not as much. It's, I can't remember what it, what it amounts to, but probably 3,500 feet over a marathon. Yeah. And I'd imagine in the late 50s, probably twice the distance, four or five times the ascent. Oh, my goodness. There's just, there's just certain races that I, um, I look at and I think I just don't want to do it. Like the spine, spine races. I, like, I look at that and I think that just is set in winter. Mm. Yeah, the di- it's not the distance that puts me off. It's just how shit the weather's going to be. It's just, it's that. Actually, what, what it is, is that some races are hard and some races are miserable. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I don't mind hard. Miserable is just annoying. Well, to me, every race is hard. Um, but every well, race I mean, doesn't every have to be miserable. Hard, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. But not every race has to be miserable. It can be hard without. Like, yeah, that's a really yeah. good distinction. And I think that there are. There, I, there, I think people do the races for their own reasons. But there's some races that people go into knowing that they could be miserable and yeah. have it thinking that there's some sort of virtue in that. And I think yeah. there's not. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it, even even with how hard things like um, uh, Western States is and bad water and stuff, you're in like a stu- in like an amazing setting, a stunning yeah. setting and everything. Whereas if you're doing like the Spine Race or like the 100, yeah, it would be beautiful if it stopped raining or you know, yeah. and all you are you just you, you could literally be on a treadmill um, that's going at various levels in a shower. Um, in in the dark, couldn't you? And, and literally, it's like the same experience, but people like throwing shit on you. I mean, that yeah. is that is essentially the same experience you're having, isn't it? You could you could uh, you know that is not when you if you were doing like um like the Lakeland 100, it was in the middle of summer or something like that. I mean, it was still yeah. rain because it's you know bloody lakes, but at least there's an element of you know enjoyability about it. But with the American races, like, you know, you're going to have these amazing landscapes and these amazing. Uh, you know, experiences that go with it, and so you, it might be awful, it might be you know painful, but yeah. it, your environment like makes up for it. You know, you've it's that... the, the, yeah, the difference between ultras in the states and, and the UK. It's even more pronounced when you look at obstacle racing because do you actually go in the water repeatedly? And so you have a mud run in America and. It's just really good fun. You get muddy, you splash around, and at the end you're in the sun. You spray yourself down with a hose. Over here, you just you, you get hypothermia. <laughs> no hypothermia. Like, what a great race! <laughs> and at the end, you're stood around in a field with it pissing down, oh. and uh, everyone's going home. Whereas over there, you're like, "Yay, party in the sun! Yeah, loads of hot women stripping off." <laughs> Yeah, why do we live? Why why are we not doing more American races? Yeah, why why are we living here? That's, that's amazing, isn't it? So that's the amazing thing is so so of all the races we've talked about doing that we want to do in America, we've talked about okay, let's do let's do the Bar, uh, Barclay marathons because it seems to emulate a British race <laughs> as closely <laughs> as possible. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's rubbish. It's wet. It's boring. It, exactly. It's it, Barclays is the only race in America that's miserable enough. To, call, to, to be able to compare with a, a UK race. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
But it's interesting. I mean, do ballads. What races are there from from your local countries that are epic, but we might not have heard of? I mean, I'm, I'm just even looking at comrades for next year. Yeah. It's twenty thousand people. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Ultra of twenty thousand people. That's insane. Yeah. And you think of Western States, what three fifty? <laughs> wow. I mean, that's sixty times more. Sixty times bigger. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, that's getting me quite excited now. That's going to be amazing. Oh, the atmosphere is supposed to be just incredible at that. Yeah. And that's unusual for an ultra <laughs> to have any atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, we found, and it's sunny. <laughs> sunny, a sunny ultra with atmosphere. Amazing. Uh, but yeah, let us know, do bad. If there are other ones that might not have crossed our radar, will never cross our radar just because. The, they're in the wrong country and therefore we're not going to know people who've done them. They're not going to be in the, either the newsletters we see, the magazines you read. Send us in what you think are the best ultra races out there. Um, and also send us some good examples of just proper miserable. Cause I, I think we need to start highlighting misery for the sake of misery because I'm not, I'm not that big a fan. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like you, David. Misery, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of either. I think I'm anti-misery. Yeah. I don't mind watching other people in misery. That's quite funny. Yeah, I'll, I'll cruise someone for, for that. <laughs> but um, have we got any, have we got any letters or anything to talk about this week? Because have you, have you seen the bloke's dad who's bought dirt cats? Oh, my God. We need to, yeah, we need to talk about the... Um, the rise and fall of um, of Wigan Runner because they they were I on. A, we had already. They were they, well, we have, but they, they were on the last warning, and now they they just disappeared. It's all it's all a bit sad, really. Is he no longer raising? No, no, no. I mean, it's like disappeared out of the group. I th- I thought they were they were going to push on, ignoring our our um, threats to uh, to get rid of them, and they just they 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 listened to us. And I'm not used I'm not used to people listening to us. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing is, I, I think to a certain extent we were just saying, just please stop annoying us. <laughs> but um, Matt Gibson's dad uh, is an absolute legend. He's gone out, he's, he's gone and bought himself some derp cans, and then he's posed for a photo. <laughs> I don't think he's he's claiming he's run a 5k, but he's got the look of um, the, the pride in his eyes as somebody oh, does. He has. He, he has a race for life look about him. <laughs> yeah. And he looks like such a nice dad as well. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, maybe we should all try and get our dads to, oh, to wear derp cans and, and pose for us. I think, I think there is, there's several threads here. It's basically you need to get your parents to wear some derp cans. You need to get your pets to wear derp cans and we know Pets, we know cans, this yeah. i heard a statistic the other day that one in five dogs in the uk has a social media account probably do so have you got a dog uh no okay uh, so, uh, we... <laughs> there's nowhere this can go no i was saying that though so a lot of people's dogs must be socially media savvy so we can we could clear this actually this could be our way of expanding the listenership of bad boy running so if we get people to get their derp cans on the dogs and promote bad boy running through that then other people love pictures of dogs wearing amusing things we need to get doggy bbr t-shirts Dude. I mean, that's not going to take several years to 
<laughs> Send out to people. But I think um, Amy from Mudsicle, a Amy Soran, her dog has got hundreds and hundreds of followers. Oh, Amy, Amy could pretty much get yeah. derp cans on pretty much any animal, couldn't she? Oh my god, she does need that. That would be brilliant. In fact, that needs to be her new mission. She needs to go out and whichever animal she treats, she says, oh, no, it's a new therapy. It's like meditation. We just get them to listen to... Dirt can therapy. Blokes. Yeah, yeah. And then get photos with, like, cows, horses, sheep. That, I want to see a hamster with derp cans. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, so there we are. We want... Um, I'm not, I don't think we should do it to children. I think it should be old people and yep. animals. Sleeping old people. <laughs> people who don't know they're derp canning. <laughs> yeah. Do you derp? It's a, it's a, um, a silent derp. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, have we got any letters or anything from the Zubatters? No, no letters at all. Nothing. None at all? Nothing at all. Wow. Given that we haven't been here for about a year. <laughs> <laughs> lots, of, lots, lots of complaints about um, uh, not releasing. Oh, oh, I've got amazing news. Ooh. Oh, this is amazing news. Why have I not mentioned this earlier? I don't know. I don't and know what ev- the news is. How can I comment? And this is news that, that everyone is going to love. Eddie is back. What? Producer Eddie is back. Has he been kicked out of the police? No, he's not been kicked out of the police. But importantly, he's been yeah. kick, kicked to the curb by his French girlfriend. So he has oh, more time on his hand. Well, I don't know whether no. I don't know. I don't know whether it's him or her or whatever. But he has more time on his hand. Brexit, apparently, it was. Oh, pretty France's France's loss is the do badders gain, which means. Oh. Thank you, France. You've finally done something good. It was, it was part of the Brexit negotiation, actually. <laughs> oh, wow, so Eddie's back. Eddie, say hello if you can. Let's, assume, let, let's assume he has, he has interrupted that part and said hello, yeah. So, this yeah. does mean you've got fewer excuses for why the podcasts are coming out now. Uh, if you remember, my laptop um, broke. And to be fair, I did miss the plane last week, so I couldn't record on Monday. So that may have been my fault. I don't worry. Don't listen. The thing is, over summer, people have time off. And we're busy guys as well. So, you know. And people, it really, it really does increase people's um, uh, desire. Does it? I'm not even sure that's true. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> uh, it makes the heart grow sort of narkier, definitely. It makes the, it makes the, the Facebook threads... Um, more aggressive. I don't yeah, know if it's, I don't know if fondness is uh, is exactly what we uh, we've experienced. But anyway, um, if you um, if oh, we've got oh, we've got an episode coming up, haven't we? That has been driven by uh, the do badders in terms of asking questions. The relationship episode. Oh, is that actually going to happen? Oh uh, yeah, of course it's going to happen. I haven't actually looked at that post yet, so um, oh, don't, I don't know if it's don't, good that we don't, do or I, don't. Don't. I think I'm going to throw them at you fresh. I'm going to throw you fresh, and, and we'll, we'll get we'll get pure, unadulterated, um, Hellard-style advice. And is your intention of this that because our advice is going to be so good that 
it ultimately means it's going to end up with a lot of do better babies and therefore more listeners. More, it's our way. It's our way of getting more listeners. Clever. Um, and getting less people to run because that's important as well. That's one. That's one of our aims. More, <laughs> more DNSs, more DNFs, and everything. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, so we've got that coming up. But um, if you haven't subscribed already, um, please uh, go to iTunes or whatever else this is on, and um, and hit the subscribe button to make sure that you uh, get the episode. If you haven't reviewed us yet, I think we're a little way off. Um, a hundred. Uh, five, well, not 100 five star. I've got to think we've got 78 five star reviews or whatever. But it'd be good if we can get to 100 reviews. That would be amazing. Uh, if you yeah, have, absolutely. yeah, if you've got anything uh, you want to send in to us, um, letters at badboyrunning.com. Um, try to make your uh, letters as sweary as Tom Scott's, if possible. Um, if you can get swearier than him, then that's uh, that's perfect. He managed to get he gets 12 swear words in in every 10. Every ten. That's the incredible part about it. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, yeah, if you haven't joined the uh, Facebook group yet, go to Facebook and join Bad Boy Running Podcast, and we will let you in. You have some questions to answer now, and uh, some people aren't uh, aren't playing along. I've noticed. Uh, what is this? Yeah. So when you try and get into the podcast group, uh, you've set some questions, haven't you, to ask them to to make sure that we yeah, we're getting we're getting the right type of characters coming into the group. Absolutely. Well, now that we, we've, we've, I think we've hit the thousand mark. We have hit the thousand, and which um, is is one of those things that shouldn't should be celebrated, but probably only with biscuits, nothing more. But, um, it's it was inevitable in some ways, but not not a great proud achievement. I wouldn't say. You seem quite happy about it, though. No, no. I think it's it's one of those things that you have to you have to celebrate in the sense that. Um, there's a thousand people that um, that are in the Facebook, most of which probably don't even know there's a there's a podcast. That's that's the interesting part about it. There's probably a lot of people in there who have no idea why they're in the group or or what they're doing. Um, which you know, that's all that matters really. I, I think it was worth celebrating by having Andy Parry leave the group temporarily and, yeah, then, try, and then try and try and get back in, um, which which provided much amusement. But we, we've now had some questions because as the group gets larger, it hits more people's radars who are trying to promote things to runners or to bad boys. Um, and so to try and stop the amount of spam and the the actual group just going in a downward spiral to being uh, incredibly irrelevant tech, uh, sorry, incredibly relevant information, um, we've asked some questions which basically says you are aware that if you enter this group, and you try and promote yourself without understanding that what the group's about, that the group will mercilessly take the piss out of it. <laughs> and um, so far, people have been ignoring that. I've also been asking for people's uh, favourite 90s reggae singer. Uh, so far, we've only had one answer, and that was Snow, which I thought was good enough. Oh, no, 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 we had, had some others. Someone's, one was, someone said, like, Snoop Dogg. I'm like, What? What? <laughs> <laughs> That was probably my nan. <laughs> There's some, been some people who are trying to ignore the questions. Uh, you're not going to get in if you ignore the questions. You have to answer the questions. It's simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. So now, now uh, we're ex- now an exclusive. You, you suggest. Oh yeah, that's a good answer. idea. Can, can you ask more than three, or is it only is it only three? I think we're limited to three, but I'm quite happy to, to really take them round just for our own entertainment. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We can share those as well because you know. Uh, it's our fiefdom, and we we can do what we want. 
Um, so yeah, if there's um, if there's anything you uh, you want us to, uh, if, you, if you've got any ideas for guests and stuff, we, 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 we've had some, some of the best guests we've had have been suggestions from Do Badders, um, and we've, we've been having a few suggestions more, so if you've got any guests you want to suggest um, that uh, we can uh, we might want to approach, I think there's, um, there's a few people out there we're, we're looking at at the moment, and um, yeah. I mean, just any topics that uh, you'd like us to, to look at. Yeah, it should, if we were... just uh, take part in. If we were if we were doing a true um, uh, runners world thing, um, we would be oh yeah we'd probably be recycling uh, subjects by now, wouldn't we? We'd probably be uh, doing doing about our worst races and then probably talking about uh, MDS and, and stuff like that. New shoes of the summer. New shoes of the summer. Yeah. Oh wait That's a minute. Should we be doing Should we be doing autumn winter collection um, kit pieces now? Well, I'm just about to sell, sell all my old uh, clothes on eBay so uh, for winter. So uh, potentially, yes. Don't sell them on eBay. Sell them, sell them on the uh, uh, Bad Boy Running um, Swap Shop. Does that mean I'll... Mm, Wide will come back. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> I feel like we're babbling now. We're babbling. But uh, any suggestions, get in touch. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye-bye. Bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye-bye. Bye 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 I must admit I was a clone